Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. I'm thrilled today I get to interview Meg Brunson. Meg, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm excited about this. So your website is megbrunson.com, kind of like me. You just went with your name. Yep. So not hard at all, and it'll be in the show notes. I've looked on your website, but tell me what you do. Well, um, the bulk of my income actually comes from marketing. So I used to work at Facebook, and now I have an agency that's Facebook-focused, uh, so we run Facebook ads, paid Facebook advertising for other businesses. That's where the money comes from. After I left Facebook, I launched that business. I mean, I left Facebook because I wanted more time with my kids. I've got four young, relatively young girls. They are three, four, seven, and 10. And I quickly discovered how how difficult it is to, to build a business complete completely from scratch. Prior to this, any entrepreneurial endeavors I had were some type of a franchise or multi-level marketing. So it kind of came almost like a business in a box. And this was actually building something from scratch. So a different experience with four kids running around and my desire to spend time with them, you know, taking precedence over building the business. So I found creative ways to work involving my kids, which inspired my podcast. Um, and my kids all are working on their own little entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, age appropriately. And so the website right now includes Facebook marketing. It includes my podcast, which is called Familypreneur. And that's, that's basically it. So it's entrepreneurship, marketing, and raising a family. And you have free resources on there, good ways to get in touch with you. I love that you said, when, like the first thing I think when you say you work worked for Facebook, um, what, what's the first thing people say? Oh my gosh, was that as fun as it seems? And you're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it was. And it, and it, it totally wasn't. Was. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was, it was so fun. You know, I, I tell stories all the time about it'll be like a Friday at one o'clock and, you know, nobody answers their phone at Friday at one o'clock after one o'clock, you know, and we're Pacific time. So one o'clock here for the East Coast is five o'clock and people are home at that point. So the slowest time of day is Fridays after, after lunch. And oftentimes if, you know, if metrics were hit and things like that, people would just get together and play foosball or play a game of catchphrase or, and don't get me wrong, like I said, metrics had to be met. That always came first. But there were these really fun experiences. The environment was fun. All sorts of like fandoms all over the place for, you know, other nerds out there. Things like that. It was just a very like nerdy and fun place to work. But it's a business. It's 40 hours a week. It's punching a clock. It's having to be back from lunch on time. You know, when you've got four kids and they've got school plays and field trips and, and classroom parties and you want to be the room mom and special needs. So we've got IEP meetings. It got to the point where 
if I wanted to go do something, I was like counting the minutes I had left in my paid time off thing. It's still a job. So as fun as it is, it, it still left me feeling unfulfilled from my, my parenting side of things. And that's so difficult for all of us as parents is finding that balance. Even if you absolutely love your job, you're right. A business is a business and you don't get to just get up and go because your kid's having a party at three that they want you. And some of them, honestly, I'm not as excited about as the kids are excited, but <laughs> it's that it's a priority to them and you want them to be a priority to you. Right. I totally get it. So you had, um, you kind of had a, journey finding this entrepreneurial niche what mm -hmm. did you go through now I want to start taking it back what did you go through because the fails are just setbacks to success in my mind oh exactly and I think that's like the lesson that I wish I learned earlier I can only imagine where I'd be today if I wasn't so set back by some of the early failures that I didn't realize were just stepping stones so um Gosh, I don't know how far back you want to go, but <laughs> I, uh, I feel like my first entrepreneurial endeavor, I was in college, you know, and it, it kind of just spurred off from there. But in the early days, it was always just a side hustle. Like my mindset was just make a couple extra bucks. You know, my job is going to pay the bills and then the side hustle could pay for the fun stuff, the vacations or the little extras that I want. Um, and then really my mindset, I feel like really shifted and changed, um, a few years ago when I was pregnant with my third child, uh, and encountered like a, a brush with death. I mean, I, I don't know, <laughs> just to make it concise, um, I had like this near death experience due to a pregnancy complication and it just made me realize that my side hustle didn't have to be a side hustle. Like I could, I could turn the side hustle into my full-time job and then choosing to work for somebody that could be the side hustle. Like that could just be the, well, you know, I want to be able to work at Facebook. <laughs> so that'll be my side hustle. You know what I mean? Like sh shifting that perspective to, to work for yourself, but, make the decision to work for somebody else if you wanted to. It's so, it's, that's so true because we're conditioned, especially our generation, that you graduate from high school and you go to college and you get a degree and I didn't finish mine. So God, I failed, <laughs> right? Like now when you're up a creek and that you go to work for somebody else and you punch that clock and anything else is on the side. We're conditioned to think that way. So right. I get what you mean. So let's, now let's go back you're married and you're pregnant for the first time. Well, so you, the, didn't, you didn't it have wasn't my it was my third pregnancy. Okay, so I want to go back to that story. Okay. So go ahead. Jump in and tell us what happened after you guys got married. So, well, to the third pregnancy, right? No, no, no. In the beginning cuz you you've struggled with this from the beginning, correct? Well, in <laughs> So my first pregnancy was was actually my first and second pregnancy were both pre-marriage. Okay. Sorry. So we, Sorry, okay. folks. <laughs> so we didn't follow that traditional path either. I did not either, so apologize. <laughs> apologize for assuming. 
No, no, no. You're good. That's why I was like, wait, where do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> okay. First pregnancy. <laughs> so both my first two pregnancies were both pretty similar in that they were not good, but not exceptionally difficult. Like I, I wasn't considered high risk. You know, it was just, I wasn't that like glowing, happy, pregnant person that I wanted to be, that I feel like you see in the movies. And I actually know people who just love being pregnant and I wanted to be that person, but I wasn't. I was sick, um, you know, severe morning sickness began it and then it just never went away. Like morning sickness is supposed to go away in the first trimester and I, I never experienced that going away <laughs> feeling. So I spent 40 weeks really sick with both kids. Um, it's kind of a miracle that I was willing to even <laughs> have a third child. But I feel like that's, like I said, there were no like significant things that were, that were wrong with them other than it just wasn't a good experience. Um, but with my third baby, it was worse. Like you could just, things were, were very off in the beginning, um, as early as I want to say, now I'm trying to think of times in my mind. I want to say it was probably around, uh, 18 weeks. So like still very early in the pregnancy where things started to get really bad. Like I, I was really tired. It was like the normal pregnancy symptoms, but like times 10. And so when I complained about these things, I got a lot of like, well, yeah, you're pregnant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, even the doctor was like, drink some more water, eat some crackers, have a balanced meal. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, my legs hurt. Like, my muscles hurt. I'm getting cramps that I can't explain in my arms. You know, it feels like I've been working out for hours. Like, I've just pumped some crazy iron. And, you know, the next day, your muscles are sore, except I haven't been working out. So, like, why do my muscles feel like they've been pushed beyond their limits. And the answer was always drink water, rest often, like do all of these things. And I'm like, oh, but, but they're the doctor. And, and so I, I followed what they did. I had to be pulled out of work at 22 weeks, which is ridiculously early for anybody who's familiar with, with that whole process. Um, and for the first time in our lives, we were on food stamps and we had to get all of this assistance because we weren't prepared. You know, we, we were a paycheck to paycheck family and we thought we had until like 36 weeks to prepare for the six weeks of maternity leave I would take like the, the bare minimums. Like that's, that's just what we do. And, um, so leaving at 22 weeks was, was crazy. I was the, the breadwinner at the time. You know, I had the typical nine to five, my insurance, all of our insurance and stuff came through my company. My husband was a server in the evenings. So we worked opposite shifts. So we almost never saw each other, but it meant we didn't have to pay for childcare. So we saved some money that way. We, we, I have some history of trust issues with childcare because of um, some abusive situations that I experienced when my daughter was, was my first daughter was a baby. So we really were hesitant to put the kids in childcare. And uh, when, I, when I stopped working at 20 weeks, like I said, we were just drowning. 
it was like, what do you, what do you do? We weren't prepared. We've got these two other kids. And suddenly you feel like you were irresponsible to have a third child, you know, and, and you were irresponsible to not have, you know, what do they recommend? Like three months of income saved or something like that. Like the gurus, we didn't have that, but we had to do the best with what we were given. Um, and in the process, I quickly realized that I didn't want to go back to work. So I was like, that's amazing. Like among all of this, like, yep. you know, we can't afford anything. We can't. I said, I said to my husband, you know, I lost my dad when I was 11. And um, ironically, from the same hospital that I was admitted to during this pregnancy. So I'm sitting in this hospital room terrified that I may die like my dad did, you know, and like, I was that kid who was left, who lost a parent way too young, you know, and, and went back and didn't have the pictures that she wanted with her dad. Like my dad never was in the pictures. And, you know, I still to this day feel like I was somehow cheated. You know what I mean? Like that I don't have the pictures, the memories, the things I wanted. And that was the moment where I was like, damn, I'm going to do this to my kids. Like, I'm going to do this to my kids. Like, I'm about to die. <laughs> and they're not going to have the pictures because I'm always taking them because yeah. I don't want to be in the pictures because I've got, like, you know, two chins and, you know, all that stuff. So <laughs> They <laughs> like, don't want wanna... you in the pictures, though. It, and like I said, it was just this whole yeah. mindset shift. Like, they don't care about the 40 extra pounds I'm carrying in my midsection or the fact that it looks like I lose my, my chin when I smile. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care about those things. But it was that moment that I said, oh, my gosh, like, I need more time with them. And I, I told my husband, like, sorry, dude, but I'm not going back. Like, I know we're at the bottom. And I know that, that what we're doing right now is what the system was put in place for. Like, that's the reason food stamps and, and welfare and stuff is there. It's for people who, I believe, <laughs> people who make a mistake, they fall off the wagon, whatever, you know, however you want to want to call it to help them dig out. And I said, but I don't want to go back. <laughs> so he got a second job. We did end up, gosh, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but we ended up like using the system longer than we probably would have needed to if I had just gone back to my typical job. You know what I mean? Um, but it allowed us it allowed him, he picked up the second job and then that's what really pushed me into figuring out how can I replace my income so that we can get off this public assistance that's not meant for us. Like we definitely didn't want to be those people and I could get my husband back down to one job and maybe even see him sometimes. What? You know? <laughs> now I want you to go back for a second because- sure. Your doctor's saying drink more and rest, but you, you were, I, and it's, that is so hard, especially, I mean, we know our bodies and we think we're right, but then they tell us something and we're like, right. okay, maybe this is normal. This shouldn't be normal because I, I had really tough pregnancies also like that should not be normal. Right. Like, but, you know, okay. But you really felt something was off and you went back in. What did it take for them to finally do something and what, tell, because I want to know about that process. Sure. So I remember 
getting the call that I had failed the one hour glucose test, right? Like to see if you have gestational diabetes. And I was so excited. I've never been so excited to fail something in my life because I was like, maybe this is it. This is the reason. So I started researching, like, could gestational diabetes be the reason why my muscles hurt? You know, and when I say my muscles hurt, I think maybe I should illustrate too. Like I couldn't walk up the stairs. We lived in a two-story home. So to get up the stairs, I would use my arms to like hand over hand on the railing, pull myself up the stairs because my legs weren't strong enough. In the morning, I would lift my legs from the bed to put them onto the floor so that I could hoist myself up. And um, I even once got stuck on the toilet. Like I couldn't, my legs weren't strong enough to allow me to stand up from the seated position on the toilet, which was the most embarrassing thing. They have to holler for your husband, you know, 20, however many weeks pregnant, pants around your ankles to have him come in and help hoist you off the toilet. So like legitimately, like my, my muscles were not working. And um, so they sent me for the three hour test. I took it and I passed. And it was that call. They called to tell me that I passed, that I did not have gestational diabetes. And I don't know, I think it was just that feeling of why is nobody listening to me? Why is nobody taking this seriously? I, I can't pick up my, my oldest daughter at the time was two and a half and not walking yet. She had some pretty significant delays and I couldn't pick her up anymore. So I basically couldn't be alone with her because if she needed, like if we needed to go somewhere, I could not pick her up. And I just lost it on the phone with this nurse, like the nurse that happened to be the one that called. And I was like, if this isn't it, then and I just lost it. I probably was super... (laughs) unprofessional, I mean, unprofessional, unreason, just lost it. I'm sure I was cussing a little bit, like F this, F that, whatever it was. I don't even know. I don't even know what I said, but I was just freaking out. And I remember exactly the road I was on because I was driving probably with my hands-free device because it was New York and that's (laughs) totally safe. But I remember sitting at the intersection and just losing it. And the, the nurse, who it, it wasn't her fault, and I know that, but she was like, well, what, why what if we send you to get blood work taken? And, you know, in the moment, I don't think I even realized that they, prob- that they hadn't sent me to get blood work. Do you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. whole time. Um, because it's not my job. Like, there's a part of me that felt guilty for a while that said I should have told the doctor I wanted to get blood work done. But, like... That's not my job to know. It's the doctor's job. I'm not going to feel guilty about that. So she, she said, why don't we send you to get blood work done? It's, you know, it's two o'clock on a Friday. So we'll send you to get blood work. You can go right now. It'll be there by the time you get there. But you're not going to get the results back until Monday because it's one o'clock, two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. So I called the babysitter um, that was watching my kids at that time, like a, a really good friend of mine and said, I got to go get blood work done, and then I'll come grab the kids, went and got the blood work, grabbed the kids, went home. Um, And again, of course, she also told me, drink a lot of water, (laughs) try drinking some milk. Like, if if your muscles are sore, maybe you need some calcium. Like, again, these, like, fluffy suggestions, but okay. So I remember then 
Friday night, uh, my husband had, was having a picnic outside with, with my two kids, um, you know, five o'clock on Friday night. But by five o'clock, I was so tired. Like my, like every muscle in my body was so tired that I couldn't sit out and have dinner with the family. I was laying on the couch um, and I noticed that I had a voicemail on my phone. And at this point, it had been about three hours since I gave blood on a Friday afternoon. And they told me, you know, I wouldn't hear from them until Monday. So whatever. <laughs> but I checked the voicemail and it was the hospital saying that, you know, when they, when they take blood, they run like preliminary testing. I think it's standard. I mean, I have to assume it would be standard for all blood work. And all the message said was we ran preliminary tests and we need you to report to the emergency room immediately. That's all it said. What do you do with that? I mean, holy cow. Right. Like, well, I was like, well, no. Do you know what I <laughs> Like, no. Like, do I call an ambulance? Do I drive myself? Do I, like, I'm going to need some more information. So I, I called back and I, I asked for more information and they said um, that my potassium was low. And I'm like, oh, well, I hate bananas. So that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. So I told my husband, I, my potassium's low. I assume it's like being anemic or something, you know, your iron's low. So they want me to go in and I'll probably get a shot or a pill and um, be back. You know, I, I don't think it's going to take that long. And my mom, who I also called to just keep her in the loop, was like, oh, no, I'm going to pick you up. Like, don't, don't drive. I'm going to pick you up. So she came and grabbed me, and I brought my computer, but I didn't bring my charger because my computer was fully charged. I mean, how long am I going to be, right? Like, what a, a pill, a shot, whatever. And um, I didn't go home. <laughs> they, they took me in the ER, and I was there for over a week. Um, because they couldn't, so they, they did try to give me a shot of potassium and my body was just rejecting it. So it, it, like I said, that was the, the moment I've never, I've never had a medical issue where, where even once the doctors started listening to me, they were like, we have no clue why this was happening for a week. It was like an episode of house. I don't know if you're a house fan. I love that show. Um, and now I look at it totally differently every time I watch it. But I was assigned a specialist and he, it was a teaching hospital and he literally, I had students parading through my room. Um, and one of the students even told me, he said, in class, we've been instructed, like the entire class has been instructed to meet you face to face. Right. Because it was like the topic of their discussions. Why? Is it? It was it really the potassium was what was doing it. Your potassium was so low. It was so electrolytes. And again, I am not a doctor, so I'm only able to like I'm telling you what I remember. Um, and so, if anyone doctors listening, if I say something a little wrong, you know, but electrolytes seem to work together. So the electrolytes that I was having an issue with were potassium, magnesium, and calcium. So when one goes up, they all go up. When one goes down, they all go down. Somehow they kind of are just buddies in your body and they work together. So my levels were extremely low and you need electrolytes for your muscles to function. So all of the, that soreness, the cramps I was feeling, that was my muscles dying. Like they were breaking down because they didn't have the electrolytes that they needed to survive. And when your muscles break down, 
again, not a doctor, just telling you what I remember. <laughs> but when your muscles break down, they release lactic acid. So that's why, you know, you're supposed to stretch after you work out and do all of that stuff, drink a lot of water. Um, so all of this, like lactic acid is floating around my body and I don't have these electrolytes to keep my muscles working. And of course, your heart is a muscle. So my leg muscles are dying. My arm muscles are dying. Like what's going to go next? Do you know what I mean? They initially checked me into labor and delivery because I was 29 weeks at that point, at the point that all of this happened. Um, and once you reach a certain point, you just go to labor and delivery for absolutely anything because pregnancy trumps everything <laughs> in the medical world. And I remember being in that room and hearing the doctors talking outside going, she can't stay here. Like, she cannot stay here. We do not have the ability to uh, monitor her heart like it needs to be monitored. And so you really needed to be in, like, a cardiac unit. And that's where they put me. They sent oh me to the cardiac God. unit. I ended up – I was the youngest one on the wing. Um, if I remember correctly, I was – I had just turned 30, just for a point of reference. And, like I said, the youngest one on the wing – and I had some amazing doctors there. I had one gentleman, a nurse, I think he was, that came to me and said, listen, your heart fails? We're good. I got that. But do not have that baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, the perspective. You're like, what? <laughs> and, and it was, t he was one of my favorite nurses because he was, I feel like he was also young. So we kind of, you know, like, he was, like, the, the comedy I needed to get me through this stressful and overwhelming and emotional time. But, yeah, he, uh, he was great. And he was like, I just can't deal with a baby. Now, labor and delivery did send, like, a, a nurse up every day to, like, check things and make sure the baby was fine. And through this whole thing, there were never concerns with the baby. The baby was fine. The way that women's bodies work is just amazing because the baby gets what the baby needs and the mom suffers. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. So the baby yes. was fine the whole time. It was nice not having to worry about her. Um, but of course, you know, my heart goes out and then we're both in trouble. So, um, yeah, so it, de it definitely was the, the electrolytes. But you were rejecting them, you said. Yeah, and they realized, because again, more tests, more tests, more tests, that it was my kidneys weren't working properly. So when they tested my urine, my potassium, my electrolytes were through the roof. Like, there they are. They were going in my body, but they weren't being absorbed. So my blood levels were dangerously low. So just for a point of reference, at least at that time, the, the average range for potassium was between 3.5 and 5.2. Like that's what your blood scores need to be. And when I was, they told me anything below 2.5 is where they consider life-threatening. So that's like the really bad. And I was checked into the hospital at 2.1. Wow. So like significantly below the specialist told me he was surprised I even walked into the hospital, given those levels. And um, he was, he didn't have the best bedside manner. I love him and I will sing his praises because he saved my life and <laughs> you know what I mean? But 
he told me, he said, um, with his very thick accent that if I, that I was lucky that they caught it when they did, given my levels, he says, I don't think you would have lived until Monday. Wow. He said, you would have, you probably would have fallen asleep and just not woke up in the morning. And that's a really tough thing to hear, you know, and to, to believe a hundred percent, like being in that position. And then, gosh, here I go. And then thinking, thinking about what that would have looked like, like really visualizing, you know, like, would it be my husband that would roll over and like try to wake me and I wouldn't wake up? Or would he sneak out of the room knowing that I haven't had a good night's sleep in a while and like wanting to give me the extra time? And it wouldn't be one of my daughters who came in and jumped on the bed. You know, like thinking about those thoughts, I feel like are what kill me because I can't even imagine, you know? Sorry. (laughs) You are good. I can't imagine either. And catching it so far. Right. And you, I mean, you even on Friday night, like, oh, come on, you know? (laughs) As sick as you felt, like, really? Like, can't this wait? <laughs> right. right. And it, was, it was the week, gosh, it was the week after Father's Day, because um, we had just gotten oh. all of these Father's Day, like, as a gift for my husband, I went out and got these pictures taken of me with my two daughters. Like, he didn't even know we went. And um, so I, I printed, I got the p- pictures printed out, and like, those are what I put up. And there was a part of me that was like, well, at least we just got these pictures. Holy so God. if something happens, at least they have these pictures, you know? But man, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. It sucked. It was such a tough week. Um, and so then what the, happened after the week? So you're there for a week and then you went home? Well, to, yeah. So towards, <laughs> towards the middle of the stay, I'd say, you know, they realized it was my kidneys. Um, the guy, and then it turned into, well, why are these kidneys in an otherwise healthy, you know, newly 30-year-old woman failing? Like, it doesn't make sense. I've never had any <laughs> issues. So after they ruled out that I've never traveled to any countries, I'm not eating anything funky, you know, after they ruled out all of those things, um, what it what they came to was that with the hyperemesis, I was prescribed a medication for the frequent vomiting. And that's what hyperemesis is, just in case, you know, somebody's like, wait, what? That's just morning sickness. Uh, Kate, William and Kate, she, we were pregnant like at the same time and she had the same thing. So that was like really in the news back then. And apparently there were, there was like a really rare side effect to that medication that could cause kidney issues. And so they kind of were at a point where they're like, well, that's all we can come up with. It was likely a reaction to this medication. Um, I had stopped the medication (laughs) at that point. And they prescribed me these super high doses of potassium. So the pill, like a potassium pill is probably double the size of a typical prenatal. So for anybody who's been pregnant, you know, prenatal vitamins are, are large. They're like horse pills. And they're like those dry coat, like they're not like an easy coating. So they're like chalky. So I feel like they're not easy to swallow. And this was bigger. And I was prescribed, I had to take 
two a day, two at a time, four times a day. Okay. And when I went to the pharmacy, when they finally did let me, let me out, the pharmacy said, we can't fill this. Like this is such a lethal dose of potassium. It was obviously an error and we can't fill it. And I'm thinking, if you don't give me those pills, I'm going to die, literally die. Like, so they had to call the doctor. Um, but it was such an unheard of situation. Like even the pharmacy was like, I've never seen a human be able to consume because with potassium, if you go over the high limit, you have the same risks. It's like you have to be in that like sweet spot an extreme one way or another is going to kill you. So they didn't want to, the pharmacy was doing their due diligence, you know, to make sure it wasn't like a clerical error. Um, but they sent me home with a ton of pills and I had, I, of course, I'm now a high risk pregnancy. And in addition to all the other typical things you have to do in the third trimester, you know, typical visits to the, the OB and whatnot, I had to get blood drawn three times a week because they really needed to make sure that I stayed in that green zone because I had dropped so low and because I was on such high medication. So I was getting blood work done Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then I was seeing my normal OB. And then I was seeing a high-risk OB and getting non-stress tests done weekly. So Jeez. I practically lived at the hospital, even despite leaving. I was able to piggyback some of those appointments, but getting blood drawn three times a week, I was, I was at the hospital at least three days a week. And then two of those days were specialist appointments as well, which could take additional hours, you know, which made it hard. My husband actually lost his second job during that time. So he had picked up a second job like around 22 weeks, and then he lost it because he couldn't, we couldn't juggle it all. Like, it, it's literally life or death for me to get to the hospital and I can't bring the kids. I physically can't. <laughs> and at this point, people are starting to realize that it's not just me being lazy. It's not just me trying to be a princess. You know, it's, it's legit. Like, I, I can't do it. And so people started finally allowing me to take care of myself a little bit. Um, but like I said, he ended up losing the second job he had just gotten, which kind of threw us another step back, you know, before we were able to, to climb out. Um, and then the funniest thing I think was once the baby was born, all was well in the world again. Like, just like that. Problems went away. And uh, so we thought. So you thought. So, I mean, that's not uncommon because like you said, the baby's fine through the whole thing because they are getting what they need. But I mean, I know it's a, it's a derogatory term, but it's like having a parasite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really being pregnant is pretty much like having a parasite. Just live off of you. With love. <laughs> you, yes. You I love parasite. the parasite. You love the parasite. <laughs> right. But it's, I, well, you didn't have to be on that medication anymore. Nothing was draining your body or throwing you off in any, so I'm not surprised that everything went right as rain as soon as now but during didn't you did you have trouble during the delivery yeah so with my first two kids so it was it's kind of funny with my first two babies they were born at exactly 39 weeks in two days so with baby three it was kind of a joke it was like 
Well, her due date is September 5th, so she's going to be born on August 31st because I have babies at 37 weeks and two days. It's like that's, and sure enough, August 31st, I woke up with contractions. And so then I'm like, this can't be real. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I couldn't have just called that, right? Um, But strangely, baby three was my longest labor. So baby number one came in about three hours. Baby two came in an hour and a half. Uh, Because they were both so quick, there was no time for medication. I remember with baby one, they offered me Tylenol, and I just about slapped them. Um, But... With baby three, she, it, she was taking her time a little bit more. So when they said, do you want the epidural? I was like, where do I sign? Like, I've never had this epidural thing. I know I can do it naturally, but like, if I have a chance, why not? Like, why not try it out, right? I've had this awful pregnancy. I might as well have an easy birth. And God, it was the worst. It was the worst. So I get the epidural and I... <laughs> I think, whoa, this is, this is working. Like, this is great. Like, I remember turning to my husband. He was on my right. I turned to the right. The epidural stuff was on the left. And I said, babe, I feel great. I'm like, I think, I, I think I'm going to take a little nap, like, in between these contractions. And the next thing I know, there's alarms going off. I, there's oxygen on my face. My husband is gone. I have no clue where he is. There are people all around me. It code blued on the table. So they gave me the epidural and then my blood pressure dropped. And like, I don't remember anything other than thinking, this is wonderful. I'm going to get to rest a little bit because I was tired. <laughs> but no, that was me just dying again. No big deal. Um, so they, At least it felt good. I mean, there's... <laughs> until they woke me back up. And okay, then it was okay. like, I don't know if you've ever had oxygen, yeah. like a mask on you. It's like... A lot. It's like somebody's got like a high-powered fan in your face and you almost can't breathe because you're drowning in air. Um, and I'm like trying to rip the mask off because I feel like I can't breathe. It was, it was a struggle. So they, they, they got me back level and then I'm able to see my husband who was like pushed into the back corner of the room. The poor guy probably terrified, you know, like having gone through what we had gone through this whole pregnancy. And then they tell me that they can't find the baby's heart rate. Like they've lost the baby. They've got the monitors. They've gone internally to put the monitors like on the baby's head. Apparently that's a thing. Nothing. So now I'm like, crap, you know? Like, <laughs> so they're talking about emergency C-sections and prepping an OR. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Like this is not part of the plan. Like, this, this is not part of the plan. What is happening right now? Now, luckily, they were able somehow to pick up the baby from the traditional, like, belly band things that they use, you know, those little round things. I'm sure there's words for those. Um, so they said that they could put off the OR as long as they could keep the baby's heart rate externally, but they couldn't find it internally, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, but at that point... They popped, you know, they, they broke my water and they were just like, we're just going to try to get this baby out. I mean, I was in active labor. That's why they had given me the, the epidural. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the epidural to begin with. So it's not like I was 
not in labor already, but they were like, we need to try to just move this along quicker. And uh, she was born, you know, 20 minutes later. And the epidural, like I said, the epidural was just an awful experience. I had had two babies naturally. So even despite, um, you know, blacking out or whatever on the table, once I came to, like, I couldn't figure out how to push. I, it wasn't for me. No judgment if somebody wants the epidural. I just felt like I didn't have control over my body, you know? So like my first two babies, once they were ready to come out, I, I could feel what to do and my body almost took over. And with the epidural, I just felt like I, since I couldn't feel anything, I wasn't sure how to push. Like, is that working? Is that what I'm supposed to do? It didn't feel... I, mean, I don't want to say it didn't feel natural, but it didn't. <laughs> it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel, I wasn't in control. Um, but she was born. She, she was okay. And, and I was okay, you know, after and that then, point. And then you went right, you went back to feeling normal. No potassium, no issues. Everything's good. Right. And even though things are super, I mean, holy crap, is this stressful. In your mind, you're still thinking, I don't want to go back to work. Right. And then just for reference, how long, because <laughs> this, like, you had two really tough pregnancies, which I totally understand. So like you said, it's shocking that you would have a third. How long did it take you to get pregnant the fourth time? And we joke around. We were like, we're still trying to figure out where babies come from. Because yeah. we didn't. <laughs> Baby four was one of those, like, how do you have three babies and say that a baby was unplanned? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but we weren't planning on having a fourth baby. We found out we were pregnant um, a week before the scheduled vasectomy. Oh, so, like, of course. <laughs> we had gone through that whole process and there was a waiting period. Like our insurance had like a waiting period for him. So he had to go in for like a consultation because, and then wait 30 days you know, just to make sure that he really wanted it or whatever. Like, despite, dude, we really want it, you know? So, um, so that was kind of a, a mistake on our part, a fluke, um, whatever you want, however you want to call it. Um, but it was, and now I'm trying to think, cause I, I found out I was pregnant right around Halloween time. So it was just over a year, maybe 14, 15 months after having, um, my third child that we found out we were pregnant with our fourth. And I immediately called the specialist at this point. I have switched OBs. Um, I quickly realized that I, this may be a silly, like a duh statement, but like, I wasn't happy with how everything was handled, you know? So I said, I, I can't trust this guy with another pregnancy. So I switched doctors and because it was ruled a reaction to that medication, I just said, I'm not taking any medications. Like I will go super crunchy and all natural and we will use C-bands and I will eat ginger and I will do every single thing I can do. And if I have to vomit every day, I'll vomit every day, but I am not taking meds. And I was so confident that that's all I would need to do. And I was 19 weeks pregnant when I got a cramp in my arm. And you knew right away. I was watching a movie with a, with a friend of mine, a girlfriend, and I looked at her and I said, my potassium's low. Damn it. And she was like, well, maybe it's just, a, I'm like, no, it's, 
it's a, it's, it's a different cramp than any cramp you've experienced before. And the closest thing, like I said earlier, that I can compare it to is if you go to the gym and work super hard and like, don't, don't drink enough water, don't stretch, just like, like work super hard, pump a lot of iron. And the next morning that, that pain, your muscles feel it's that, and it doesn't go away. And you, you try everything, stretching and massage and what was it? Tiger bomb. That was the thing that somebody told me to use. I walked around smelling like tiger bomb for weeks um, and nothing helps it. And I knew, and I called the doctor right away, my new doctor. And without hesitation, she was like, tomorrow morning, get the blood work. And it was low. I mean, it wasn't dangerously low. It wasn't, I mean, I want to say it was like 3.4, like just low. Um, But I got back in with the specialists and they were, they were like, I guess it wasn't a med reaction. <laughs> and then we started all over again. So it wasn't a med reaction. Great to know. And now you're familiar with it and you find it immediately. Mm-hmm. Did that make it easier? Um, easier in the sense that, that we at least knew a little bit about what was going on. I knew that we could manage it with the pills and with the frequent um, doctor visits. I mean, I feel like it was a little overwhelming because number one, it was earlier. Like the cramps didn't start for me until later, you know, during my third pregnancy. So with my fourth, them starting earlier was like, oh my gosh, like now I'm only 19 weeks pregnant. I've got likely 20 to 21 more weeks of what, three times a week getting blood work? Like that's overwhelming. Like, am I really going to have to go drive 20 minutes to my blood lab three times a week. And now I've got three kids juggling. And, and in the end, it's all totally worth it. But at the moment, it's like, really, is this, <laughs> I thought we were, I thought we'd at least made like an educated decision in this. Um, and we were just thrown for a loop and, and they had no idea. They had no idea what was causing it. And at that point, it almost, I don't think it mattered what was causing it because we knew we just had to get through it, you know? And the funny thing, I don't even know if we talked about this, but another funny, funny in quotes thing is that it was probably about three months later. So the beginning of my third trimester that I had like this other like super weird symptom, like my my arms, like my forearms were like itchy, itchy, itchy. Like I, I told my husband, like, maybe I'm not showering enough. Like, do I, (laughs) am I showering enough? Do I need to use better soap? Like I need more lotion. Like I was just, my skin seemed dry and itchy. And somebody said to me, have you told your OB? And I'm thinking, why would I tell my OB about my dry skin? Like that seems like a dermatologist issue. But again, I went to Google and apparently there's this liver condition that causes itchiness. So me and my craziness calls my doctor up and I say, guess what? I think I've got cholestasis. It's this like liver condition. And I imagine that she's going to be like, oh my gosh, this lady, like this lady with WebMD. But she's like, well, go get the blood work. Sure enough, two days later, I get the phone call. You've got severe cholestasis on top of everything else. It causes the baby's, um, once the, your pregnancy hits 37 weeks full term, the risk of fetal demise increases exponentially. So basically what this means is that I'm going to have to be induced early. 
um, pretty much guaranteed to have a preemie baby. And oh yeah, and there's no cure for this itchiness. So you just have to deal with it. Like lotions aren't going to work. There's no medication. Basically your liver is just seeping bile into your bloodstream. So in addition to the fact that your kidneys are failing, your liver is also failing. So now everything's failing and now I'm itchy <laughs> on top of everything else. Um, and like I said, going into knowing that my baby's going to be induced early. So we had to set up an induction. I want to say it was 36 weeks and like five days was like the latest I, they would let me go. That's um, awesome though. I mean, at least it was 36, right? Right. That's, that's as close as you can get. Right. Yeah. I mean, 36 is usually when you're safe to deliver, they won't stop you. Right. And uh, so, I mean, God, that's great that you got that far. So what did you have to do to manage the liver during that time? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't, I don't think I've thought about this in a while. They, um, they gave me a med that was... It, it was like Benadryl on steroids. Yeah. I don't know what it was called. I can't remember. Um, but it, it, it was like the effect of Benadryl, but like super duper strong. And they were like, this might help with the itching. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I tried it. And again, I've got three kids at this point. And when I woke up, I, I, I fell asleep on the couch. And when I woke up, my oldest daughter was like, the baby pooped, but I changed her and everything's fine. And I was like, oh my gosh, how long have I been sleeping for? <laughs> that day I learned a lesson, like don't take a new medication if you don't have another adult home with you. <laughs> Everything was fine. But my daughter did change her first diaper that day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're set up to be induced. And how did, how was that experience for you? It was rough. Um, having three kids wanting my husband with me through the induction process and having absolutely no idea what that induction process would look like. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't full term. My body wasn't ready to go and they had no idea how long it would take the induction to actually work. And it took three days. So I was in the hospital for three days trying to be induced and nothing was working. So like they were trying different, all sorts of different things, things they were putting up and down and in and out and all around and um, nothing was working. And that was the most frustrating part, I think, was having my kids being juggled around from family member to family member and friend to friend because I, I needed my husband there. And not knowing at what point this baby was actually going to come. Like if I knew it was going to take three days, then I could send him home for the first two, but you just don't know that. Um, so that was rough. And then once, once labor actually started, it was super quick and easy. And I made it clear that they were not to like under no circumstance, no matter what I said, I was not to get an epidural. Um, <laughs> and once, once, I got my first like real contraction. I knew she was coming and I don't, the doctors can't even give us a time frame. Like they checked me and I was three centimeters and I said, I, I know, no, I'm having the baby now. They said, well, you're three centimeters. I said, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm going to push. And the nurse, my husband was like, I didn't know what to do because like you were being crazy. 
but like, you can't tell a pregnant person she's being crazy. And so I said, you're fired to the nurse. I told her, you're fired. Go get me someone else. I don't even know if you're allowed to do that, but I did it. And she, another nurse came in and went to check me and I pushed a baby out. And it's she was so born. interesting when people, <laughs> when, when anybody looks at a woman in that situation and says, no, you're wrong. <laughs> like, no, you, you cannot stop the freight train of pushing. I, has any, I, people, you know, when you're in a situation, remember once they were like, okay, kind of breathe through it, breathe through it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a locomotive happening right now. And your body totally takes over. Takes over. I, I mean, it is, it is crazy when somebody's like, oh no, you can't possibly need, I can understand if you were like, but I just want the baby out. Okay, well, you're three centimeters. It's not quite time, you know, but like you don't even start saying that stuff to you're through in you're through transition. Right. Transition, you're like, no, I don't want this to happen. And then all of a sudden you're like, we're on. Stay. Right. Put on the spotlight. It's happening. You like, I don't know. Maybe your maybe your measurements are off. I don't like I, I, I don't know. I can't. No, there's tell like you. there's no question. Right. No, the baby's coming. The yes. nurse had one glove on because she was going up to check me. Right. She had one glove, and she had to catch a baby with one hand. Well, no big deal. And it was over. So, like, I don't even know. Like, I can say my first baby took three hours. My second baby took an hour and a half. My third baby took six. And my fourth t- didn't. Like, I don't know. <laughs> she just came out. So, you had the fourth baby. Everything went fine. Your symptoms went back to normal. Yep. The vasectomy's been Done. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we can have wow. a happy dance about that. So no, wow. we are not trying for a boy. <laughs> we get that question all the time. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I don't Poor like- girls. Are you trying for a boy? No. <laughs> no. It's now just extracurricular activity. Um, so vitastomy has been done. What has happened? Like two years has passed since you got pregnant with baby three, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or two years since you decided, I don't want to go back to my job. Right. You did, though. You did go back. And you're on this exploration of figuring out what do you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. So how did all of that happen? I want to finish on this high note of you sure. on this journey. So we, my husband's job at the time moved us across the country. And uh, we jumped at that opportunity. We had wanted to get out of, we were in western New York. So not New York City, but New York State. And we had wanted to get out for a while, but it's, it's expensive to pick up and move four people across the country. And since his job said, we'll pay for it, we said, when do we leave? So we picked up and we moved. And he worked in the same, um, what's it called, like office park? His job was in the same office park as Facebook had a satellite office. So they have a couple satellite offices throughout the United States. Their main headquarters is obviously in California. And they had interviews. I went and interviewed because that'd be cool, right? Like, if I'm going to go back to work, might as well be Facebook. And the fact that they were so close to where my husband worked, we're a single car family, so we could drive into work together. There'd be some things we'd have to figure out, like babysitters, but we we talked about it and we said, well, depending upon the money, you know what I mean? Like, once we figure all that stuff out, it might be doable. Um, and I've been out of work now for four years. I mean, I've, I've been building my own thing, but it hadn't brought in full-time income. It had brought in enough to, to very 
happily supplement what my husband was bringing in, but like we still needed his job. So the thought that if I went back to work, we could pay off the debt that we've incurred a little quicker, get ourselves in a better financial situation. And I went in and long story short, if you can say that at this point, I got the job at Facebook. So I jumped at the opportunity because I thought to myself, it's been three, four years. I think I'm over that, like, the, the PTSD, if you will, that I was dealing with. Like, that, that fear that caused me to be so anti-work. I thought, I'm, I, I think I'm over it. I think I could handle going back to the workforce. At this point, I'm still kind of thinking that, like, that's what successful people do is is they work, you know? And um, so I went back to work, but quickly, like we, we said in the beginning, it was after just a couple of months, I'm realizing how much I'm missing of my kids' lives. And the fact that I think that there was some level of st- like post-traumatic stress that was associated with what I went through, But at the core of everything, nothing's going to change the impact that I want to have on my kids. I think that the, the, the whole situation, the illness, the hospital stay, I think that that was some sort of like universal message to me, like a wake up call, because I have this experience as a child losing my dad. I don't want my kids to have that. I want to build this legacy for them that they're going to carry with them because our time is all limited. Like I'm not going to live forever. I'm not, I I know that, but if today's my last day, like if today's my last day, I feel like now I have a lot more confidence. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to make it sound like I'm ready to go because I'm not, but (laughs) I, I've made an impact on my kids that I'm proud of. And I couldn't say that four years ago. So that's, that pulled me out of Facebook. I, I worked there for about a year. It's about as long as I, I stuck with it. And then I, I just determined I wanted to go back to that entrepreneur life. And over the past 18 months-ish, since I left, I've, I've built it up. And now the business has replaced I mean, it's surpassed any full-time income I've ever had. And it's been a year, almost the day a year ago that my husband went into work and lost his job, the job that paid for us to come out here. And um, he came home. I'll never forget. He came home and I I just didn't know why he was walking back through the door, you know, an hour into his shift. And he said, they let me go. And... Three days later, I had replaced his income for three months. And that was just the start of like, like, again, holy shit, like this entrepreneurship, it can be the side hustle, but it doesn't have to be the side hustle. And I feel like at this point, there's still ups and downs. We still have months that are higher and lower than others. But we've proven to ourselves that this can be a sustainable way of living. And it's changed the way that we're parenting our children. 
you know, I told my daughter, I thought of this earlier when, when you were talking about college, my oldest daughter is turning 11. She's, she's 10 right now. She, she struggles in school. And I remember telling her, you don't have to go to college. Like if college isn't for you, then don't go. And she looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? Like, don't, I thought you, you know, you go to high school, then you graduate and you go to college. I'm like, yeah. And that's, that's some people's story, but it, it's not the only story. You can pursue anything you want to pursue. And if your path takes you through college, that's great. Good for you. But if it doesn't, you can still be wildly successful and wildly happy, which I think is a better measure than success. I mean, both of those are pretty you know, subjective terms, but you can be happy. So it's changed. I feel like my parenting focus, you know, I, that's part of the reason why I've, I'm encouraging them to tinker in so many entrepreneurial endeavors and, and learn those skills. And don't get me wrong, they're still kids. You know, it's not like I'm over here running a sweatshop or something. They're still <laughs> kids, but they, uh, especially my older two, my seven and my 10 year old, they've been in the back end of WordPress. They're learning how to use Canva, something simple, you know, to design images. My, my seven year old went into first or no second grade this year, brought in 16 business cards on her first day of school. And when she came home and had 16 left, I said, why didn't you hand any out? Like, no problem. Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to push her. And she said, well, there's 26 kids in my class. So I need to bring in 26 tomorrow. The teacher already said she'll pass them out for me. I'm like, well, there you go. She didn't, like, she needed to maximize her reach. Right. <laughs> They're thinking of these things, In a you know? totally different way, which is great. Which and is if great. She goes, if she goes to college and wants to be a doctor, these skills are still going to help her. And we're totally going to support her. I'm not going to feel disappointed, you know, if she, if she doesn't follow in my footsteps. But... You know, my other kiddo, like I said, I, I'd be floored if she went to college because it's not her, but she's got a ton of other talents and I can't wait to see what she makes of them. And we're going to give her those skills so that hopefully she won't have the same learning curve that I had to have. I was a criminal justice major in college. I was totally not prepared for business and I'm figuring it out, you know? I think the greatest lesson, and I want to end on, on this, is that you taught the kids that they can live their own dream. They don't have to fit in the box. Right. And it's about what makes them happy and because you're living your dream. So what a better example could you give to your kids? Exactly. And that's, the, that's really what I want them to, to see and to know and to guide them. Awesome. Meg, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon. Hello, my name is Warrior Princess. Or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages. 